church and listen it is my joy to see each and every one of your smiling face can you give it up for yourself today give it up for yourselves you guys look wonderful y'all came y'all did y'all hair y'all brushed your teeth all that good stuff amen 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 all right so listen uh i'm excited we're continuing in our series today um xo love relationships and the church y'all been enjoying this series all right all right all right so today um, we are in Luke chapter 6. Um, I've got a message titled for you today as Persevering Love. Persevering Love. Y'all supposed to say, oh, like that sound. Okay, there you go, there you go. I thought about that one. It took me a little while. No, I'm just, I'm joking. Forgive me. Um, so, one of the most common human desires is for us to have love. Every, everyone wants to be loved, right? Um, everybody wants somebody to love them and love them back and all that good stuff. Um, no, no matter whether it's romantic love or, or family love, uh, friendship, uh, we all just want some love. Uh, and the Bible has, has much to say about love and the different kinds of love that we experience in our relationships. So, the heart and the theme of the entire Bible is love. In fact, the very nature and character of God is love. The scripture tells us that, that God is love. Uh, so we've been exploring this today. We've been exploring. Uh, we're going to explore this today, and we've been exploring that in this series of what it looks like for us to love God, to love our neighbors, and to love those that we are in relationship with. So we're continuing uh, in that today uh, in Luke chapter 6. I'm going to be in verse 27 through 36. Okay? Y'all ready? All right, let's do it. So uh, verse 27, hear these words of our Father. It says, and I say to you who listen. Somebody say listen. Love your enemies. It's going to be quiet in here today. I already know it. (laughs) Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer them the other. And if anyone takes away your coat... Don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, my God, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. 
hear Eric B. and Rakim in my head right now. (laughs) Verse 35. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Watch this. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Why? Because he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Father, we need your strength today. Father, I I pray, Lord, that as you speak to your people today, God, that, that I would disappear up here, God, and that the eternal words of God would stand present at this pulpit, God, and that you would that you would speak through me today, God. God, I pray that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth, God, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer in whom I place my trust. And when we hear these words today, May we respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. God, because it's in your word that we have power. It's in your word that we have strength. It's in your word that we have joy. So, God, I pray for your word as it goes forth today, God. Be glorified and exalted in this place. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Listen, when when it comes to love, we, we have to remember that it isn't always equivalent to butterflies in our stomach and magic in the air. We just came off of Valentine's Day. Some of y'all were on on fabulous dates and doing all kinds of fabulous stuff for for Valentine's Day. Some of you not so much, but that's okay. Um, it's overrated in my opinion, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but listen, when when we focus too heavily on the way romance makes us feel emotionally and physically, we can forget that love is not exclusive to people that we know intimately. See, Luke 6, 27 through 36, this passage that we're in today, describes love as an action that should even be focused on our enemies. So if you are constantly looking for a feeling, then you're not looking for love, you're looking for leverage. See, love is a choice, which is why we don't have to feel love in order to give love. See, so I want to submit this idea to you today is that persevering love is a choice persevering love is a choice how do you choose uh my first idea is this do good no matter the circumstances do good no matter the circumstances jesus says here in verse 27 he says but i say to you who listen see love starts with listening see Jesus, he had just given a warning to those uh, who, who are self-satisfied in verse 24 through 36. He says, woe to you who are rich, for, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when, you, when, you, when all speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestor used to treat the false prophets. 
So Jesus here, he's, he's giving a woe to those who are satisfied with themselves. He's speaking to those old Pharisees. They, they, they're, they're so self-satisfied all the time. Uh, but when we refuse to listen, watch this, we join them because when we refuse to listen, what we in fact say is that we are seeking to satisfy ourselves. When you don't listen in relationships, that's because you're consistently seeking after your own satisfaction. When you won't listen to your loved ones, it's because you're not worried about how they're feeling or what they're thinking. You're more worried about what's going to satisfy you. So Jesus says to them, he says, listen, uh, I say to those of you who will listen, love your enemies. But can I tell you that when you are seeking to, to, to love others, you have to start by listening to the concerns of their heart. See, Jesus, Jesus is saying two things here. He's saying, one, he says that if, that if we are seeking to satisfy ourselves, then we won't hear his word. Or the word of those who we're in relationship with. But more importantly, when we're seeking to satisfy ourselves, we can't hear the word of God. I wish I had some honest folks in here today who would tell the truth that that God's word has been clear to you and it's been implicit to you about what he has wanted you to do. But yet, because you wanted to satisfy yourself, you acted like you had deaf ears and you couldn't hear the word of the Lord. See, some of you have been in situations where God was telling you to slow up and hold up and don't go so fast into that relationship and don't go so fast into that business venture. Don't go so fast into that thing that you think you're supposed to be doing, but you want to satisfy yourself in that moment so you act like you can't hear the word of God. See, the other thing that happens is that we, it, when we seek to hear his word, we will only seek to hear his word if he is the source of our satisfaction. See, when Jesus is your satisfaction, you'll run to his word to see what his word has to say. When Jesus is your satisfaction, when you're fully satisfied in your Savior, you will run to him to see what his word has to say for your life. And here's the reason why Jesus gets to be your satisfaction is because he has never let you down. See, Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus can be relied upon and Jesus can, can, be, can be trusted because he has done everything that he said that he would do. Most importantly, he told his disciples for three years, he said, listen, I'm going to go die. But then guess what? After three days, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to rise from the grave with all power in his hands. And guess what he did? He ended up doing that very thing that he said he would do. So we can trust Jesus. Can I tell you that trustworthiness and relationships build satisfaction? Fellas, hear me. If, if you want your wife to be satisfied with you. If you, if you don't want to always hear the nagging and complaining, right, then guess what? You got to be trustworthy. Oh, man, it's quiet. And Listen, it, 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 trustworthiness builds satisfaction. And trustworthiness, here's what trustworthiness, how it happens. It comes through perseverance. See, if you aren't willing to persevere and continue to strive and continue to endure and continue to work things out and continue to move forward and continue to strive for what you need, then guess what? You'll never be trustworthy. See, perseverance and satisfaction are bookends in love. 
if you aren't willing to persevere towards the satisfaction of those that you are in relationship, then you'll never have true love. See, satisfaction will cause us, watch this, to persevere in things that are difficult to listen to. Perseverance and satisfaction will cause us to to keep striving and to keep moving even when things are difficult. Persevering love will cause us to be, watch this, satisfied even in difficulty. See, when you have a persevering love, when you have the love that Jesus wants you to have, guess what? You can be satisfied even when difficulty is running rampant all throughout your relationships. When your kids won't listen to what you're saying, you can have satisfaction because you've got a love that's persevering. I'm going to love your hard-headed self no matter what. I'm going to keep and I'm going to stay on you regardless of what you might feel, regardless of what you might think. I'm going to continue to persevere in love towards you. When that old spouse of yours... When, 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 when they won't act right, you continue to persevere towards them. See, because persevering love will cause you to be satisfied even when you're in the midst of difficulty. See, so fast forward here. Jesus says, for those of you that are listed and are willing to persevere through this, I'm going to say this to you. Love your enemies. Nobody was expecting Jesus to say that. Like nobody. They were not expecting that. And neither are you. You're not expecting Jesus to tell you to love your enemy. See, this presents us with a new ethic about love. If we're seeking the satisfaction of Christ versus our own satisfaction, then we are persevering in things that are difficult to do. Loving your enemy is difficult to do. But if you're seeking the satisfaction of Jesus over the satisfaction of yourself, then you will persevere in things that are difficult to do. See, I want you to watch the import of this, of what Jesus is saying, what he's instructing his followers to do. This word for love here, he's, he's, he's basically telling them this. Watch this. Be fond of your enemies. Be well pleased with your enemy. Be contented with your enemies. See, this, this, this moves relationships with others into another stratosphere. See, you, you can't love like this on your own strength. You can't love like this on your own might. You can't be fond of your enemy based on your own strength. You can't be fond of those who are dogging you at work on your own strength. You cannot be well pleased with your kids when they are doing the opposite of what you're asking them to do if it is not in the strength of Jesus Christ. You can't be contented with those that are talking bad about you and spewing all types of evil against you if it is not in the power of Jesus Christ. So this moves us into a different stratosphere of love. 
See, love, this, this kind of love that Jesus is calling you to is telling you to be fond of those who, always treat, who don't always treat you the way that you desire to be treated. He's saying to be well pleased with those who have done you dirty time after time. See, we'd be ready to cut people off. I ain't fooling with them no more. It's finished. It's over. Call me the finisher because it's done. Like, like you'd be doing Mortal Kombat moves and stuff like that, trying to end the relationship. Like, we really so ready to cut people off. But Jesus is presenting a new ethic to us that says to us that if you really love people, you will find ways to love them and be contented with them even when they're dogging you out. I'm getting ahead of myself, but listen to this. He's telling us to be contented with those who behave selfishly towards us and don't consider our needs in the relationship. See, the reason your relationships is falling apart is because you're never finding things to be content about. You're constantly finding things to complain about. And if you want to have a healthy, persevering relationship, you will find things to be content about instead of always finding things to complain about. I want to help you all today. So if, if, if you want to have a full relationship, a relationship that is life-giving, a relationship that is, that is full and that is rewarding, stop complaining about everything. Find some stuff to be content about in your relationship. Well, he broke the dish, but hey, at least he was washing the dishes. That was my mama's favorite china. She gave me it, been passed down for generations. But hey, he, you know, he was cleaning the dishes, like whatever. Yeah, she crashed the car, but hey, you know, it's all good, man. You know, listen, at least she was driving herself to work. <laughs> Find something <laughs> to be content about. Just find anything to be content about. I mean, listen with the kids. Now they done put the shoes on the wrong feet again. But hey, at least they was trying to tie them up by themselves. Find something to be content about. And when you can lean towards contentment, guess what? It will free up your relationship to experience the fullness that Jesus wants you to have in those relationships. So look what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to love your enemies. Who's your enemy? I, I want to give you a new paradigm for an enemy. Enemy is not somebody that you're at war with. An enemy is somebody who behaves contrarily to the way that you desire for them to behave. So you can begin to see the import of this passage as you begin to understand that, watch this, when you're, when you're in a relationship and that person has done you wrong, guess what? You love that person and you're with them and you're going to be with them and you're happy with them. But in that moment, they are your enemy. So God is saying to you, find ways to be well pleased with them even in the moment when they are behaving like your enemy. But here, I want you to see the practical applications that Jesus gives. Jesus is the best preacher of all time. Y'all know that? Like, this, sermon, this, is, this is tucked in the side of the sermon uh, on the mountain. Jesus is, he's laying out some stuff for them, and he's a great preacher, so he's going to give you practical application. So here's what he does. 
Here's practical application number one towards loving your enemies. He says, do good to those who hate you. See, that word for do, it, it means to make or prepare or to construct something. A little deeper, it means to be the author of something. So what Jesus is saying here, practical application number one is this, is do good to those who hate you. In other words, Jesus is saying, prepare beautiful and excellent things for those who pursue you with hatred. In other words, when you find yourself... In a, in your relationship where you aren't feeling as loved as you would like to feel, then start preparing to do good and beautiful things for the one who isn't loving you well. See, Jesus wants you to practically do this. He wants you, listen, when they curse you out, when that coworker curses you out for no reason, here's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to go to the vending machine, grab a snack, bring it back, Put it down on their desk. Whatever they like. Go get some coffee. Because clearly they haven't had enough coffee yet. If they're cussing you out. Bring the coffee back. Put it on their desk. And go sit back down at your, at your, at your cubicle. And eat your cheese sandwich. <laughs> Only a few people got that. Listen. Jesus is saying... That you've got to prepare beautiful and excellent things for those who hate you. This, this is a different kind of love, y'all. Like, this, this is different. Jesus is talking about something. Listen, the, what Jesus is talking about is the very thing that radically changed the world in the first century. This kind of love. When Christians were being persecuted, having the snot beat out of them for what they believed, when they were being whipped, when they were being beaten, when they were being martyred, it was this kind of love, a love that caused them to pursue their enemies that transformed the whole world. The same reason why we're sitting today in a church is because those men and women in the early church did not give up because people were hating on them. They did not stop pursuing loving their enemies, even though they could have lost their lives for believing in Jesus. We sit around and want our comfort. We want people to treat us right all the time. Jesus never promised you that people were going to treat you right. He did promise you that he was going to give you the strength to endure through that persecution. So, listen, when that coworker is, in pursuit, is pursuing you with hatred, make, a, make the work environment more beautiful for them. Go put some flowers and put them on their desk. When your children are living like they detest you, <laughs> when they're living like you ain't never taught them nothing, guess what? Construct a more excellent condition whereby they can communicate with you about what they're actually feeling. When that spouse or that boyfriend or that girlfriend 
or that dude that you've been texting, right? When, when they are persecuting you and they're, and they're coming against your character on a regular basis, guess what you gotta do? You've got to be the author of a new narrative where you inundate them with kindness to the point where they're unable to ignore the love that you have for them. Let me be clear. If that's a dude you're dating, drop him off. Drop him off at the corner store. Tell him to go inside and find his life in the store. And then you leave. Okay? That's how you get that thing going. Right? Tell him to find their whole life. Amen. You better not be dealing with no joker who's, who, who's persecuting your character and talking bad about you. And you're just dating him. No, sir. No, ma'am. Get rid of him. Drop him off. Deuces, somebody said. Listen. Chuck him. Like, well, we out of here. Nobody got time for that. I love my whole self. You're not about to drag me down. Listen. You you got, you got, you got, you got to inundate people with kindness, y'all. Like, like let kindness run over them. Watch, watch, watch what Jesus says next. Watch, watch what he says next. Because I'm not making this stuff up. He says, bless those who curse you. I want y'all to see this. This is beautiful. But Jesus says, bless those who curse you. The word he uses here is the word where we get our English word eulogize. But the word means to praise or celebrate with praise or to invoke blessing upon them. The word more deeply can mean to cause someone to prosper. So when you when you bless those who curse you, guess what you do? You eulogize them. When you bless those who curse you, guess what you ultimately do? You bury them. See, if you want to stunt on your haters, like if you really want to stunt on your haters, then bless them. If you want to uh, uh, stunt on those who are hating on you, because I know all of y'all think y'all got haters. Every one of you think got people hating on you, all this kind of stuff. Like they didn't like my picture. They hating on me. Like relax. Like everybody ain't hating on you. But the people who are your enemy, right, and the ones who are hating on you, you better bury them with kindness begin to eulogize them and here's what persevering love looks like persevering love looks like you causing those who curse you to prosper see we're not ready for that can you lift somebody up who's cursing you can you go back to that same coworker after they cussed you out in front of everybody and say, hey, is there anything that you need help with on this project that we're working on? Because I want to make sure that you get a good review when review time comes. We're we not ready for this kind of love. See, <laughs> I'm glad somebody's honest because we're not ready for this kind of love. Like, we're just not. But it's this kind of love that Jesus says will mark you as one of his believers. 
It's this kind of love that Jesus says will, 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 will distinguish you as his before the world. See, because we live in a culture, everybody thinks everything is love. Now, love everybody, love everything, just, just love everything, love the dirt on the ground, love, like love everything. Everything is love. But if you want to distinguish yourself from the world and want to, and want to distinguish yourself as a follower of Jesus, then what you've got to do is you've got to love those who curse you and bless them. See... This cursing is a pronouncement of doom. See, they may, they may be pronouncing doom on you, but God calls you to celebrate them. See, start celebrating your haters and watch God move you right on past them. See, start celebrating them. Like, whew, that thing was great. I saw that. Ooh, that was wonderful. They just cussed you out five minutes ago. You celebrate them. Watch God begin to move you right on past them. Here's what he says next. Jesus has given us some real practical stuff to do here towards loving our enemies. Here's what he says to do next. Pray for those who mistreat you. See, this word, it means to beg. If you're going to love your enemies, then begin to beg God for the good of those who mistreat you and watch how your relationships begin to change. Begin begging God. If, you, if you're in a relationship that's all tore up and jacked up and you don't know what's happening, you don't know what happened to your relationship, she used to be so sweet, and now she's giving me all this kind of grief, and I don't know what's going on. Begin to beg God on behalf of her. Begin to beg God for her good, and watch your relationship begin to shift. When they're mistreating you, see, when, when people, here's the thing I know about mistreatment. This word means to falsely accuse. So when people are mistreating you, it's because they are falsely, falsely accusing you of something for something that they lack. See, when people mistreat you because they're looking at you to be the source of something for them that God never promised that you would be the source for them for. See, people, are, when they start to mistreat you, it's because they're looking at you and saying that you should be this for me, and you're not doing that, so now I'm angry with you, and I'm going to treat you this way because of that, when God is the one who promised that he would be everything for them. Stop looking at the people that you're in relationship with to be everything for you. That's a task that they cannot hold up to. Stop looking at people to satisfy all of your needs. Girl, I'm just looking for somebody that can just meet all of my needs. I just, I just need somebody that's going to take care of me. I just need somebody that he's going he's to be everything. that. Stop it. Stop looking at them to be everything that they need. Because the, the second that they let you down, you start looking at them crazy and saying, God, why are you forsaking me, giving me this joker? Like, no, like you expected them to be everything for you. And they were not designed to be that. Listen, people will charge you with stuff because they like it. And having wisdom in relationships is knowing when the person is charging you with something that has to do with them and when they're charging you with something that has to do with you. You'll make it far in a relationship when you know the difference. 
it's strange though because it's like gothic art right <laughs> it's hard to, dis- to see the light from the dark in that art but you got to be able to decipher what's light and what's dark in your relationships here's another one jesus gives hey here's the one if anyone hits you on the cheek offer the other one to them or turn the other one to them i know your mama told you that if somebody put their hands on you, you hit them right on back. Listen. Or she going to hit you. That's right. And look, y'all know I'm from Camden. I got sent outside many a times to go fight somebody because <laughs> cause I, I, cause I didn't want to fight them at the time. And my dad was, you better get outside and go fight them or you're going to have to deal with me. Now, I know that that's what y'all been told. All right, that was before you was in Jesus. Now you're in Jesus, right? <laughs> you're in Jesus. So this is what you got to do. But I want you to see something first. I thought this was cool. This word it means to strike or to smite them, or uh, it has the implication to punish somebody. Um, figuratively, it, it, it can mean to offend someone. So if someone offends you, you got to turn to them the other cheek so here's what i want to say y'all not gonna like this but stop being so easily offended stop stop being so easily offended you ready to throw out the whole relationship because you're offended about something you're ready to throw away years of, of, of people treating you right and doing you right. And, and because you walked into a space, and we do this in church too, because we walk into the space and the person didn't say hi to you the way that you wanted them to say hi to you, you get offended and say, that's why I can't stand church people. Like, we got to stop doing that kind of stuff. Because Jesus tells us here, he says, listen, if they hit you, if they offend you, turn the other cheek to them. And see, this word here in Greek, it's the word type. It's, it's, it's the word that looks like the word type to me. And as I was going over this, I said, isn't it interesting that the way we strike people today is through typing? We go on Twitter and Facebook and we start typing and texting. And, and, and that's how we strike people today. See, some of you won't bust a grape in a fruit fight, I know. But you'll get on Instagram and start throwing shots. You'll get on Facebook and start throwing shots at people. And we do more damage in our relationship through typos than we do through talking. So much gets lost in translation Because you won't sit down and be willing to have a conversation about what's actually going on in the relationship and about how you're feeling about something that happened. And so the person can give you can give the person the opportunity to repent. You make yourself judge and executioner when you don't give people the opportunity to repent. You've decided that it's over for them. You've decided that the relationship is done. 
because they offended you. But you won't give them the opportunity to repent. And Jesus never does that to you. He, he receives you time after time after time after time after time after time. He's standing there with his arms wide open saying, come on here, son, daughter. I love you. I know what happened, but I forgive you. I've given you everything that you need in order to sustain through the rest of this life. It's okay you offended me. I'm good. I'm the God of the universe after all. But you getting offended because you're a human and you're getting offended with people. But the God of the universe, he can somehow find it in his ways to forgive people. See, the ethic that Jesus is teaching is the ethic of the extra mile. See, when he says offer the other, this word here, it implies a reaching forth. That, must, it, that, that reaching forth must take place in order uh, to go the extra mile. So here's what I'm saying. We, we got to be willing to go the extra mile in our relationships towards loving those we're in relationship with, even when they behave as if they are our enemies. you got to reach forth. you got to go the extra mile. Well, I called them. They answered. Stop playing. Stop playing. You didn't offend them on the phone. You offended them in their face. So you know where they live or, or you know how to get to them. Send them a text and say, hey, can we meet? Well, I text them and they, you know what I'm saying, like, they didn't respond, so uh, I don't know. No, you know, you need to go the extra mile. Here's what it looks like. Jesus says, if they take your coat, don't withhold your shirt. See, Listen, many of us are kind-hearted enough to give somebody the shirt off our back. Many of us are that. In fact, we, we prop ourselves up as people who are more loving and godly than other people because we're willing to do those kinds of acts of kindness. Well, I give up my time to do this. So, therefore, by implication, I'm more godly than other people. We won't say that out loud, but we believe that in our hearts. However, the new ethic that Jesus is teaching here, the ethic is the ethic of the extra mile. Because here's what this is. You might give the shirt off your back to anyone. But what Jesus is saying here, will you give your undershirt to your enemy? So you'll take your shirt off and you'll walk around with your undershirt on and you'll be good, right? Cool. But when Jesus is saying, no, 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 take that undergarment off too and hand it to them. Not just your friend, but your enemy. Give it to them. So what we find in this passage is this, and I got to move, is that persevering love has no parameters. See, verse 30, Jesus says, give to everyone who asks you. When Jesus says, give, he means extend yourself in order to bestow a gift on those that ask you. So in the context of persevering love, Jesus is telling us that we've got to extend ourselves. We've got to be willing to do what is necessary in order to, to, to reach out to people that are far off from us. How do I know that? God and in his infinite wisdom 
he reached out to us when we were far off from him. And he, when he says gift to everyone, here's, oh, this, this Greek word is amazing. It means everyone. I mean, it's, I know it's complex. It's difficult to understand. Jesus speaking Greek and all that stuff like that. But what he's saying, everyone, he means each and every one. I know that was rough, like Greek 101, guys, you just had a a course. But everyone includes each and every person that has ever required something of you. See, when it says for everyone that asks you, that word is is stronger than asking. It, It means require. So when 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 Jesus says give to everyone that requires of you. See, there are people that are requiring things of you in your life, and they aren't willing to give anything back to you in return. See, they're requiring that you give all of yourself in the relationship, and they're only willing to give 2%. They're requiring you to give the intimate parts of yourself, but they won't open up to you. They're requiring you to support them while they sit on the couch and drive your car around while while they drop you off at work. And they ride around going to other people's houses. I'm talking about what I know about. Listen. Jesus says if they take your things. In other words, if they take what is attached to you, don't ask for them back. See, persevering love is not. This word can mean to exact something that is due to you. So persevering love is not exacting what is due to you, even if, if, if it was them taking something that was a part of you. Listen, I know they hurt you real bad. And it made you feel like you were less than who you know God has made you to be. But if you're going to love with the persevering love that Christ is calling his followers to love with, then you can't exact vengeance upon people. And, and this is tricky because, see, the way we exact vengeance, the way that we ask for our dignity back, the way we ask for our hurt back, our heart back, it often looks like us being a lesser version of ourselves. See, she played me out. That's why. I ain't never going to trust no other woman again. So I'm just about to be a dog and I'm just about to do what I want to do. And I'm about to have side chicks on the steady. He treated me so bad that now I can't trust anybody and I can't get close to anybody ever again. And you start to become a lesser version of yourself. You become a lesser version of what God created you to be. Because you're seeking and you're asking for something back that Jesus says, don't worry about that. I'll replace it. What the locusts and the canker worm have taken, the Lord will restore to you. 
So you ain't got to worry about how they did you dirty. Jesus is going to give you something that is better. Oh, come on. Listen, that was your, your moment right there. If, 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 if the devil's taking something from you, and I'm talking about the devil, the joker that was in your life that you allowed to use you and be the devil in your life, or if the devil himself has removed something from you, then guess what? Jesus will give back to you everything that you lost. Especially if you're seeking to follow Jesus. He says that there's nobody who's given up house and, and mother and father and brother and sister that I won't return it to them a hundredfold. So if you're in Christ today and you are moving forward and you're trying to love like Jesus says to love, then you don't have to worry about what somebody might have taken from you because Jesus will replace it. And he says, do for others. He says, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is treat them well. And the best treatment that you ever received was something that you did not deserve. But God, Romans 5, 8 tells us this, that but, but God proves his love for us. That while we were still sinners, while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. Your sins were great. They were many And your sins were against an infinitely holy God. And he forgave you. Here's my next idea is this. Is that persevering love pursues sinners. Persevering love pursues sinners. In in 32 through 34, he walks you through this whole thing here. Jesus does. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? If you you give to those and expect something in return, what, what, what good is it? What credit is it to you? He's laying out a couple things and saying that if you only do that for those who love you or that will give back to you or the ones that you expect to receive something from, it's really no good to you. The question he asks is, what credit is it? For you. So, if your love doesn't benefit the sinner, then it's not love at all. If, and I mean the sinner that sinned against you in your relationship, if your love it, it doesn't benefit the sinner, because this word is the word cherish, it's, it's the word for grace. It's, it's the word that shows uh, the, the, the gift of grace, the proof of grace. If, if your love isn't a proof of grace for sinners, then it isn't love at all. If you, if you can't love people and if it doesn't prove the grace that has, been, that has been lavished upon you, Jesus says, forgive as you have been forgiven, right? So when you love and you, and you persevere in love with those that are sinning against you, with those that are your enemy, what you do is you offer up grace to them and you allow them to receive the same thing that you were given in Christ. See, if your love isn't a gift of grace to those who have sinned against you, it isn't love at all. See, in the sinners here, the pursuit of of sinners that I'm talking about, I'm referring to outdoing sinners. See, because when you get down to the reality, in relationships, you find out very quickly 
that you're just in a close you're just in close proximity to another sinner. That's what you're gonna find out. You're just in close proximity to another sinner. I did a wedding yesterday, and I told them, I said, "Listen, this stuff's gonna get crazy. It's gonna get rough. It's gonna get difficult because you're just in proximity to another sinner." But persevering love pursues sinners. So the pursuit that I'm referring to is in outdoing sinners. So when you come to the realization that I'm just a sinner myself and the sin that they've sinned against me, guess what? It's no worse than any sin that I've committed against them in the eyes of God. Therefore, I can forgive them of that sin that they've committed against me because Jesus has forgiven me of every sin that I've ever committed against him. See, we, we, we must outdo sinners in our expression of love towards them in relationships. So if you think you can't love the criminal that robbed your house, then you're not looking through the lens of Jesus. Because you were a criminal who sought to rob and plunder the kingdom of heaven in order to get the stuff that you wanted. And guess what? He ended up forgiving you anyway. Uh, close. Persevering love has no, this is my last idea, it has no, no expectation of reciprocation. Persevering love has no expectation of reciprocation. Verse 35 tells us this. He says, but love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. See, This word for expecting means to cause, it means not to cause anyone despair. And oftentimes in relationships, the weight of relationships gets heavy when we're looking at the other person to satisfy the debt that they've accrued against us. And we begin to weigh more debt onto them. And things get difficult and heavy because you're looking at them and expecting them to satisfy a debt that they don't have the power to satisfy. See, the debt that, they, that, they, that they've exacted on you when they sinned against you, watch this. Jesus says that I've already paid for that. So you can forgive your loved one when they've sinned against you because Jesus has already forgiven them. And when you hold on to unforgiveness, you tell Jesus that what he did on the cross was not good enough. How dare we? How dare we treat those that God has called us to love in that manner? And how dare we look at God and tell him that what you did was not sufficient enough for this situation? Because you know what? I'm more important than that somehow. And that I need to have justice repaid to me right away. You cannot have your life set up that in a way where you are charging people with things that they cannot pay for. You can't hold that weight on people of unforgiveness in your relationships because nobody will ever succeed in relationship with you. And guess what? That's why you find yourself alone and hurting even though you've got people all around you. 
That's why you can be married to somebody for 20 years and be alone. Because you aren't willing to unload the weight of sin and give it at the place of at the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross where he said that all the penalty and all the consequences and all the debt of sin has been paid on my back. So you you cannot cause people despair because you're expecting stuff from them. Jesus says, expect nothing in return. Expect nothing. Here's another good Greek word for you. It means not even one thing. Man, listen, I'm just going to get y'all degrees because y'all, y'all Greek scholars now. <laughs> but, but listen says here that when you love your enemies, do what's good to them, lend to them, and expect nothing in return, then, then your reward will be great. See, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying that when you love your enemies and you do good to them, and you lend to them and expect nothing in return, then you will receive the payment for your services. And the payment for your services will be great. And here's the payment. You will be children of the Most High. What a beautiful privilege that is. That we are children of the Most High when we love like Jesus has called us to love. Because he's gracious to the ungrateful. And to the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. We'll close with this story, Roger. You can come on up. It says, a mother once approached Napoleon Bonaparte, seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed the same offense more than once and therefore justice demanded death in this instance but the mother wisely replied she said I don't ask for justice I plead for mercy Napoleon replied your son don't deserve mercy she replied to him carefully, sir, it wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I'm asking for. Then Napoleon responded, he says, I will give mercy to your son. And so he spared the woman's son because he decided that he would have mercy. And what he knew the woman knew, this mother knew, that mercy had nothing to do with her son and his actions. 
And the same is true for us. And the same is true for you and your relationships. You've got to be merciful and loving in those relationships. And you've got to give mercy. You've got to give it away. And I know they don't deserve that mercy from you. But it wouldn't be mercy if they did. And in the same way, Jesus offers us mercy. Maybe you're here today and you haven't heard about the mercy of Jesus. You might be feeling like, I'm too far down as a sinner. I've, I've done too much. It's too much weight for anybody to bear. And I don't deserve mercy. Because I've just acted a fool. I've acted crazy. I've done what I wanted to do. But Jesus speaks to you softly today and says, that mercy ain't on you. Mercy comes only from him. And he wants to extend that mercy to you today. Is there someone in here today in need of the mercy of God? Is there one in need of his mercy? Maybe you're a believer today and you, you've, you've gone astray. And you've just been doing things that are contrary to the word of God. And you feel like, I'm trying to make my way back, but it's just hard. I'm trying to make my way towards Jesus, but it's just difficult. And I don't feel like I deserve it because I've messed up so much. Jesus is standing here today saying, I have mercy for mercy for you because one day 2,000 years ago Jesus persevered to the cross even though he was being whipped and beaten and mocked he persevered to the cross and he hung there until his last breath was gone but after three days Jesus got up from that grave with all power and that same power that he used to get up from the grave. He wants to give you that same power to live the life that he's calling you to live. Is there one today? Is there somebody who needs the mercy of God? Somebody who wants to place their faith and trust in Jesus today? If you're here, we'll pray for you. Brother Dave is here. He'll pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we thank you. just as our Father is merciful. God, I pray for those who have relationships that are broken and fallen apart today. God, would you inject a shot of mercy into those relationships? Would you inject a shot of perseverance 